from Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. Morning, everybody. Morning, Daz. Morning, Steve. Morning, Teddy Boy. Good morning, Sunshine. How are we all on this fine Thursday morning? Doing really well. I'm I'm annoyed. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because Daz cut us off in our prime. We were talking off air about all things historical, geographical, about Sunderland, and you were enjoying it. You were drinking in the information from my fountain of knowledge. And I rudely Any time we get to catch up. Because you, we've got a short to do. A short to do. Fancy that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's why we're here. Well, I'm just learning, for those just tuning in, I'm just learning that Sunderland is obviously being owned by someone named Hilton, and they've gone around and just named everything <laughs> Hilton something. So we're now calling him Hilton Ted uh, from now on because you got Hilton Red House, Hilton Castle Estate, what about Hilton, Hilton Lane Estate. Nilton, it's now Hilton Ted. Uh, so we were just doing it. It's, it you'll you'll realise why in a bit later. But what's going on, everybody? Good morning, happy Thursday. Welcome to the Northeast Football Brecky Show, where we talk everything but football sometimes, especially when Middlesbrough have a bad loss. Uh, but we've got to talk about today for your Thursday morning. Yeah, I said that real late, Aussie. Oh, good night today. Uh, Liverpool v Chelsea is now the confirmed Carabao Cup final. Is that expected? Well done, Carabao Cup. You got the final that you wanted. Uh, confirmed by the EFL. Uh, we've got the season uh, for next season in the EFL confirmed. The dates, how many games are played. And want to talk to the lads about that. Real Madrid as well have overtaken Manchester City to become the highest revenue generating football club in the world. So we're going to talk to the lads about money and uh, generated by these clubs, if there's going to be anyone else. UK billionaire Joe Lewis, whose family trust owns Tottenham Hotspur, has pleaded guilty to insider trading in a US court as well. We'll get some lowdown on that and what that might mean for Tottenham. VAR, baby, VAR, four minutes past seven, VAR. Uh-huh. Nottingham Forest have been informed by the referee's organisation that the video assistant referee... Did not have the power to rule out Brentford, a.k.a. Ivan Tony's disputed equaliser on Saturday. What a system, hey? We'll talk to the lads more about that. PSV have just lost their first game in their domestic competition after exactly one year. They went 40 games unbeaten. Want to talk to the lads about what an exciting league that must be. And then <laughs> lastly as well, lads, uh, the majority of the Nottingham Forest squad do not have pay cut clauses in their contracts in the event of relegation. Uh oh. <laughs> that and a lot more coming up on the Northeast Brecky Show for your Thursday morning. But as always, we start off with some club headlines to go around to each of the three clubs and find out what's making headlines for their club. Mind you, the Sunderland one will probably be long and a little bit boring. Smoggies and Proud, Borough News. How are we, you beautiful humans of the Northeast? I hope you're fantastic, safe and well. And we're completely and utterly forgetting about the Carabao Cup. Michael Carrick continues to reiterate that Middlesbrough won't make any panic signings at the end of the January transfer window. Borough have already so far added Luke Ayling and Finazaz to their squad and are braced for another Aston Villa push to sign Morgan Rogers before the window closes. It's unknown at this stage whether Rogers' departure would prompt Borough to look for a replacement with the Zaz's arrival already leaving them well-stocked in that forward side 
slash higher midfield department. However, since signing Ailing second week of the month, Borough's recruitment team had now been focused on trying to find a center forward with Emmanuel Latte Lath and Josh Coburn, both having issues throughout the season with injuries. In what isn't a very active market in general, however, Borough have so far been frustrated in their search trying to find a striker, aren't we all? And Borough will also now have a couple of weeks to recover, just remembering that Birmingham tie this weekend has been postponed due to their advancement in the FA Cup. They will be back on the 4th of February against a certain team near Monk Weirmouth, south of Whitburn, near Hilton Red House. And just a reminder, we beat them 4-0 and it's in our own backyard. That's your morning headlines. Good morning. Magpies and Proud. Mag News. Morning, Newcastle fans. With the clock ticking in the transfer window, the gap in valuation between Newcastle and Bayern Munich over Kieran Trippier looks to be too wide after comments from the Bundesliga side sporting director on Wednesday night to the effect that their interest in him is over. Yesterday brought a bid of £30 million, which was rejected by Newcastle, and Bayern then announced that uh, that was that. Meanwhile, Miguel Miron is understood to have told the club that he doesn't want to leave St James's Park this month. The midfielder has been linked with a move to Al-Shabaab with a talk of £30 million as the fee for the Paraguay skipper. But uh, he is less than a year into a newly penned contract and loves life on Tyneside. It is believed that Almiron and his family are not open to a move this month. On the injury front, Newcastle striker Callum Wilson is likely to miss the Fulham match in the FA Cup, but he will be ready for the trip to Aston Villa at the end of the month. While Joe Willock has been stepping up his recovery behind the scenes, the Chronicle are reporting that he won't feature until at least February, while Harvey Barnes is back on the grass and trying to overcome his recurring foot issue. And on Tuesday, uh, Gambia played their third and final game of their African Cup of Nations group stage uh, campaign and they lost 3-2 to Cameroon in the Ivory Coast. Tuesday saw Gambia play the third and final game of the Africa Cup of Nations uh, stage and um, after a defeat to Senegal 3-0 and Guinea 1-0, the Scorpions needed victory to have any chance of securing third place in Group C and the possibility of qualifying for the knockout stage. With Newcastle's Jan Kuba Minde retaining his place in the side, things looked good for Gambia when they came from behind to lead 2-1 with five minutes left but then Cameroon levelled, going 3-2 ahead during time added on. A VAR decision then denying Gambia a goal after they thought they'd made it 3-3. Minte will now return to Feyenoord to continue his loan spell at the club. That's in Newcastle headlines on Thursday morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Morning Sunderland fans, you may start breathing a sigh of relief as one of Jack Clark's most prominent interested parties have made alternative plans. Transfer insider Fabrizio Romano has stated that negotiations are advancing fast for West Ham to bring Nordjesland winger Ibrahim Osman to London for a fee of around £15.3 million. He also adds that fresh round of talks are scheduled today and tomorrow in order for all parties to get a deal done. Hopefully that means Clark is staying. Sunderland women's news now, and Aston Villa could face punishment for fielding an ineligible player in their Continental League Cup game against Sunderland last night. Noelle Moritz, who joined Villa from Arsenal in January, came off the bench in their 7-0 victory over Sunderland, which ensured Villa's progression to the quarterfinals as Group A winners. But Moritz had already played three times for Arsenal earlier in the competition. The FA are thought to be investigating, however the FA rules say any club found to have played an ineligible player in a cup match or cup matches shall be in breach of these rules and the matter shall be referred to an independent tribunal for determination. 
And finally, Manchester United's stance on Ahmad Diallo remains clear despite the breakdown of other United players' loan moves during the January transfer window. Ahmad, of course, enjoyed a fruitful loan spell at Sunderland last season in the Championship and helped propel the team to the playoffs. The Black Cats were keen for the player to return last summer, but a knee injury complicated matters. The Black Cats were credited with an interest in the attack of this January after Ahmad's return to fitness. However, United plan to keep Ahmad this month after paying Italian side Atalanta a reported fee of £19 million, rising to £37 million for the player in 2020. There are your short Sunderland headlines. From Wickham to Whitley Bay, Stony Gate to Shields, Doggy to Darlow Backlane, Steve, Ted and Rye. The Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the Northeast. The red, the tune, and the cat. Sorry about that. I had a Hilton nap during those Sunderland headlines. <laughs> I tell you, I just drifted I, off there. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Right. Okay. Yes. Right. In the week that we got thrashed, I think it's fair to say, yes. the Borough uh, against Chelsea. Yes. Yes. Did, did, did Ted sneak out that Sunderland got beat 7 0 there in the same week? Ooh. Ooh, Sunderland women's team were beaten 7-0 unfairly because uh, oh, Aston Villa played an ineligible oh, oh, so it was unfair, oh. so that was, that was okay. Uh, uh, broke the rules. Right, really. right. Break the rules. Break the rules. Hilton, by the way, lads. It was the Hilton family ride, just to educate you a little bit. Oh, uh, really? Uh, there's there's a nice castle in Sunderland, Hilton Castle, which yes. is uh, a nice heritage site. And I've just had a few. Yep. I've never been there for obvious reasons. Never really looked around Sunderland. But <laughs> I'll take it I'm over. You'll have to, yeah. But it looks really nice. Uh, it's the kind of place I would go to. And the Hilton family had it to the mid the mid 1700s when the last heir, di- well, Baron Hilton died without a male heir. So in 1746, the, the, the castle was passed on. So it's had a variety of owners since then. But it's, yeah, the Hilton family were... Were, uh, were a very rich family back in the day, so that's mm-hmm. probably why yeah, there's sounds been like a, it. Lot of, a lot of streets and things named after them and a lot of areas named after them. So there you go, but uh, you can Google it to your heart's content today, right? Well, I didn't Steve, even realise that's I, interesting. I, if you, I own part of right, if, you, if you think that's cool, wait till you hear about Pensher Monument. We, we, if you ever okay. come to the North East, we, we're going to have such a trip out, mate, honestly. It'd be brilliant. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I want to go to Ryhope and just be like, hello, my citizens. Is it Ryhope? <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. Is it? Hello, I am the mayor of Ryhope now. I own all of you. So, Ryhope, is it Ryhope? If you want Anyone to tuning in from Ryhope? Like. <laughs> Ryhope Engines Museum is, uh, is where I produced all my engines. And that's uh, that's another one. This yeah, this is geography in, in, on a Thursday morning. Would you believe it? Just if you did, weren't having a sleep in, now you can because we're talking geography. But uh, I hope you're all fantastic, safe and well. It's good to have you boys with us. A full entourage today. No Great radio, Dad. He's having a sleep in. Uh, but we do prefer you yes. sometimes, Daz. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it, you know, it, it's it's all right. I'm glad it's he was on fine form yesterday. He was yeah, on he fine was, form yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, well, do, our, our friend Daniil has been in touch this morning. Good morning, oh, Daniil. Pleased to get an early win with what the fact yesterday. Uh, let the yes. games begin today, he said. So Yes, uh, well, I've got a certain game coming up in the next ooh. hour, but unfortunately it's going to be more on the pressuring, the pressure cooker, if you will, if of the two two lads uh, to my left and right, Steve and Ted, Daz will be refereeing this one. Oh, so excellent. stay tuned for that one. That's coming through in the next hour. 
But lads, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. We've got we've got to talk about last night's Liverpool v Chelsea Carabao Cup final now confirmed. Liverpool coming through against Fulham in a one-all draw, one of the most boring games I've seen in a long time. It was it was a pretty dire game. I'm not going to lie, but it's it has lined up obviously Chelsea Liverpool final, which you would argue is probably the best outcome for Carabao Cup because now they get the most fans into the ground. The game will take place on the 25th of February, so about a month from today. On a Sunday, uh, it does seem, unless it could be changed. That's, uh, I'll start with you, Teddy Boy. Liverpool-Chelsea, probably the most obvious outcome out of all of the the teams in the Carabao Cup. Maybe, obviously, a Man City or something like that, potentially. But I think it's good for tickets, right? Well, it's not. I mean, I watched the first half last night, and as soon as Liverpool scored, I thought, well, that's pretty much it. It was proved to be the case. I mean, there was a late rally from Fulham, but but it wasn't enough ultimately. So I was scrolling through X, formerly known as Twitter, and, and our friend of the show, James Copley, Jimmy Coppers, as you like to call him. Jimmy? Uh, James actually nailed it and, and said basically that, like, they, these top, top flight football now is just becoming a little bit boring and predictable, especially the cup games. Had Fulham getting through, I probably would have watched the final. Um, because you want to see, you know, you want to see how the underdog gets on, don't yeah. you? Uh, same reason why I watched the the Middlesbrough game as well. But it is, yeah, it's, it's just becoming very predictable. It's it's like it's the same winners just about. I think it's had maybe four winners in the last decade. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like yeah, it's just become a little bit stale. That maybe maybe we'd need to have a look at these cup competitions and and see if we can breathe new life into them. I don't know. You know, maybe play the Premier League teams from the first round and let the other, let the mm. lower league teams join in at the third round, and that you know, mix it up a little bit, make it a bit more interesting, make make it a, a bigger chance for the smaller clubs to actually get through and and earn some money out of it. For, first of all, and then you know, obviously, hopefully, they get a, a bit of a shock result as well. Well, it's funny you should mention that, Teddy Boy, because actually, from next season, they have confirmed that there will be no second leg in the semi final for the Carabao Cup. So from next season, it'll just be the one game with whoever pulls their hat out of the, you know, the, the ball out correctly. We'll get the home game and that's it. So it'll just be a one-off game. So if we were here next season, we'd be in the final, Daz, because we we, we, would, we, won, the, we won the game. Yeah, we, yeah. Won the, we won the yeah, first game. That's a good point. So technically, Can, we are in the Carabao Cup final. Technically, we are Carabao Cup finalists. That's what I'm hanging on to. Stevie Boy, uh, uh, Carabao <laughs> Cup, Liverpool v Chelsea. Obviously, Middlesbrough, you know, in theory, next year would have been in it. Uh, is it. Is it something you're going to tune into? Something you can skip and have a sleep in? I mean, it's. A, I mean, look, it'll be an interesting game. Chelsea have certainly upped their game. You know, they they have suddenly started to find form. It's took them, you know, best part of two years and three managers to to finally get, you know, a, a team playing as a team. And and you know, it started with that win against Newcastle, a penalty shootout that could have ended the season. They could have been on a downward slump after that, but they, you know, they won the penalty shootout, and then they've gone on regained some decent form in the league. They're climbing up the table, and you know, now they're now they're in a cup final. It just shows you, you know, the fine margin. You know, at that level. Liverpool, yeah, I mean, this is the third time that Jurgen Klopp's taken them to the League Cup final. He's won behind Bob Paisley now, uh, who got them there four times. It's a competition which which I guess was was on the verge of, you know, almost being irrelevant, but as when Carabao have come on board, they seem to have they seem to have caused a little resurgence in it. it it's become exciting again. Crowds are up. 
you know, you know, cheaper tickets for these cup games have, have attracted the crowds again, which, you know, s- some of the big clubs in the Premier League now are all season ticket grounds. You know, it's difficult for people to get in. So, you know, cheap deals for, for kids and families, £10 for adults, £5 for kids at Newcastle for a lot of these games. It's it's brought people back to the competition. So it's regained its interest, I think. But I get where you're coming from with the fact that it's a Liverpool-Chelsea final. You know, last last year was Newcastle against Manchester United. You know, it's, you know, Newcastle it was a new team there. I mean, we, mm-hmm. you know, the last time we'd been to the League Cup final was 76. So, you know, it was, there is hope, I guess, in that competition that you can get, you know, you can get a team to the final that, that, that you know, hasn't, hasn't won anything. I mean, over the years, it's embarrassing the amount of, what I would call, you know, lesser, you know, lesser teams than, than say Newcastle, Sunderland, or Middlesbrough have gone on to win the trophy, and we, you know we're all still scratching around, you know, not having won anything for for years. So, you know, it it is it is one that can create a shock, but clearly not this year. Liverpool, Chelsea is you know is the final. We've just got to accept it and and hope we can change that that next season. I I'm a fan of the two legs in the semi. I think that is the way that essentially, you know, it, it gives you a chance of having, you know, somebody else in a final. I think it changes the direction of the game. I think, you know, if you've just got a one-off semi-final, I think that, you know, it, it two turns up on the day. But the beauty of it is that, you know, you have that hope. Middlesbrough had hope yesterday going into the game, you know, two days ago when, when they went into that game. It was half-time. They were winning 1-0. Obviously, we know now, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea turned up Middlesbrough didn't and you know the rest's history but they you know I think the two legs creates that excitement things can change things can be turned around and you know you've you've got to play you've got to play you've got to play it a different way and I I, I'll be I'll be upset to see that 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 change I I would like to see a bit more clarity in the cups though we're talking about the FA Cup uh, you know and, and we'll be talking about that tomorrow I guess with with you know with Newcastle playing Fulham but you know that they're constantly changing the rules and so there's a replay in the fourth round so should Newcastle get a draw at Fulham on Saturday it's it's back to St James's Park I think on the 6th of February for mm-hmm. for a replay but then in the fifth round the replays are stopping and then next year there's no replays. The replays are being taken out of the game, and now and, and now we're returning back to to extra time and penalties. And I hate penalties. I don't think penalties is the right way to decide anything. Uh, you know, you know, you know. I just think it's wrong that you you play an entire, you know, you play through an entire cup run, and it's decided. You know, you get to a semi final, it's decided on penalties. I think that's horrendous. I'd rather have the golden goal, but I, but I know some people prefer penalties. I prefer the golden goal. I just, I'm not a fan of it. But yeah, yeah it's it, it's the expected final, sadly. You know, West Ham, you know, West Ham give it a good go. Uh, Borough give it a good go. But, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea it is. And yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. I, I will watch it. I think it'll be a decent game. I, I do enjoy, although I don't like. Klopp's history on it because I do enjoy watching Liverpool play and if Chelsea keep up this run of form that they're on it could, could be a cracking final yeah I won't be watching it so move on <laughs> the, what was that what was that that Gary <laughs> Neville said it was at Manchester City versus Liverpool and he was asked what he thought about the game and he said it's like trying to pick someone to punch your wife or something like that you know it's uh, it was a bizarre statement trying uh, to get banned from tv is he uh? yeah no no it was it was a long time He'd ago been but, around with joey bot yeah <laughs> but his, his, you know his point was is that i'm not interested in making that decision about who's going to win this game or even watch this game because yeah I'm, i've lost interest if there'd have been i think it was ted who said it if there'd have been an underdog in there 
If Fulham yeah. had got through, I'd have been back in Fulham all the way. But I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to watch a Chelsea Liverpool final now. It's crazy that we can consider Fulham an underdog as well, isn't it? That just shows you how the top four, top six, you know, that are always in there at Fulham, you know, who are in the Premier League, are still considered an underdog because it's not Chelsea, yeah. Liverpool, Man City. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's the that's the thing. And a few comments that came out from the Carabao Cup, the performance for Middlesbrough that I've seen, obviously that I got tagged in and sent, you know, million DMs. Thanks for all those, by the way, as if I wasn't hurting enough. Uh, was that just the the, the gap between? The gap between the Premier League and Championship, and they, they, the the void is as as big as it's ever been. Is is what it's people are saying now. now. Yeah, and and they reckon that it's you know the the gap between there. But I would argue as well the gap between that top six, maybe that top four, even is is starting to open up as well. I mean, we're seeing it with the top the three teams of the Championship coming up. You know, I mean that that's obviously evident how big the gap is to jump up. It's two then, halves now, right? It's two halves now. Mm, I, I think it I've is. said it. Yeah. I think I've yeah. said it this season. It, it once upon a time there was a top, a middle, and a bottom. There's no middle now, and that's 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 the thing in the Premier League. You've got you you, you know you did have the big six. Almost like a now, big eight. It is, yeah. Does it? I mean, you know, anything yeah. down to anything. And I'm, I am going to include Newcastle because of the season they had last season. And let's yep. see where they are in May. Fair enough. But, you know, anyone down, anyone down to tenth, which is where Newcastle find themselves at the moment, has got a chance of Europe at the moment. I, I mean, you could you could probably take it to eleventh where Wolves are. I think Bournemouth will have a struggle to get to Europe this season, but Wolves could put a run together. They're doing really well with players like Gary O'Neill, and then I think anyone from Bournemouth down over to Sheffield United mm-hmm. could could go down. Yeah. It's probably looking like that bottom three, though. Sheffield United, Burnley, Luton. I think the only thing will change that is if Everton lose points with another, you know, yeah, another yeah. deduction for or, FFP. Or Forest. Or Forest, of course, yeah. They're, they're involved. But, you know, you string a run together of wins and, you know, Bournemouth are right in it. So you just don't know. And Fulham, we'll call them a big club, but they're sitting in they're sitting in 13th place on 24 points. So, mm. yeah, there's, there's mm. no middle anymore. There's, there's, there's nah. no middle, nah. there's no there's middle table. No. Nah. No, nah, it's not. Did it's, you know, it, the, I've, I've got a fact for you. You know you like me facts. Oh, oh, I do. The Carabao Cup. The Carabao is actually a Philippine English term for the water buffalo, which is quite apt because we do speak a whole load of bull. Oh. <laughs> Very good. Well done. Well okay. done. Carry on. Right. We're about six minutes away from the sports headlines, and it's a perfect time to get this in and out of the way because this is one of the stories that... Sadly, we keep talking about and one that we have to bring up, but it's just it's just one that I I, I just you know the, the lads and I I think we're all in agreement then we've spoken about it a lot, but it's racism in football. Uh, we've seen it unfortunately again over the weekend where we saw uh, incidents at Udinese and Sheffield Wednesday again with one closer to our home with Sheffield Wednesday fans once again proving that you know that they need to pull their heads in. But the question that needs to be asked, guys, is FIFA President Giannano Infantino. What a pronunciation there by Rye, well done, thank you, is actually, thank you, thank you. He's saying that there should be an automatic forfeit of games for teams whose fans commit racist abuse. Teddy boy, if Sheffield Wednesday or any team in the championship, you see a fan committing racial abuse, how do you feel about that team being automatically forfeited and you win the game and game over? I think the way it's it's weird that you mentioned this because I actually I've watched an article about this, watched a short video about it. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there, that initially a complaint goes to the referee. The referee yep. will then speak to some sort of official, and then there should be some form of announcement goes out. Now, once that announcement goes out, hopefully, your fans have the common sense to police 
themselves and get rid of anybody who's who's creating what is just absolute scumbag behavior it's it's nothing but trouble that's 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 what they're trying to cause so hopefully at that point it sorts itself out i believe the game then can be sort of a uh, suspended for a short amount of time until stewards etc go and investigate try and remove individuals and then the third pause for it apparently the referee has the power to postpone the game and basically call the game off so <clears throat> on that basis if the clubs are policing this right yes you're always going to get idiots but to to highlight this i think maybe that's one of the only ways we can do it is actually suspend teams from competitions or or if it's a league game dock them the three points it's a very, very severe way, and it's 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 not fair on the vast majority of fans who go there for the game, for the love of the game, and, and want to see their team do well. They want to see their team play against local rivals, all that kind of thing, without causing any aggravation. So it's very, very harsh on the you know, the ninety nine point nine percent of fans who are there for the right reason. But it does, if if you do start and suspend these games and invoke these these penalties, I guess then yeah, the fans are going to police themselves and they, they, they're going to ensure that their club is is free of this kind of reputation. What do you reckon, Steve? I mean, obviously the FIFA president wants it, but it, could you see, we've, all, we've always wanted harsher penalties, but could you see a team having to forfeit their match because their fan base has performed a racist gesture? Is that fair on the team and the players that are on the pitch? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, you know, it's something which has unfortunately been part of football for many, many years. I mean, I go back to the 80s when we used to walk into the the, the Gallagher and there was, you know, skinheads with boots on selling the National Front magazine. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember the days where, you know, players would be running on to, to warm up at St. James's Park and they were getting, you know, monkey chants at them and bananas thrown at them. It's, you know, it's something which was part of 80s football and, you know, was was rightly stamped out in the 90s. And, and, and now with with cameras... With you know they've got they've got signs up in the ground they've got hotlines that you can text on the dates in James's Park to to report any type of behaviour you know th- th- there's no excuse for not you know not being able to weed out individuals who think that it's a good idea to do that at the match. Do I think a club should be punished? Not if they do things properly. I think that I think taking points off teams and punishing the team for the action of you know a minority at a football ground is wrong. I think as long as the club are taking out the correct you know the correct precautions to to stop these people getting into the ground, and if you know if something happens at the ground, those people are treated you know in the correct way, i.e. you know given a ban from the ground and and you know and and and, and that problem stamped out. I think that's that that's punishment enough. It you should be targeting the individuals. But I also think you should be educating the individuals as well. I think that there's, you know, I don't think you can ever have too too much education when you're dealing with this kind of issue. And, you know, and the clubs are good at that. I certainly know my club is good at that. Newcastle United, they yeah. are, you know, yeah. they are very good at, you know, leading that kind of, you know, leading that kind of uh, campaign and, and reminding people that, you know, that no way, shape or form is racism welcome at the ground. And uh, yeah, I, I've, I've seen, you know, I've seen various reports over the years of, you know, of, of, of people People being ejected and moved, and and we've seen it in recent times with you know other acts of you know you know stupidity at grounds where people have used photographs of you know the late Bradley Lowry you know to mock yeah. Sunderland fans, and those people have been you know you know highlighted straight away because of the CCTV within the ground, and you know and and you know prosecuted. So yeah, long may that continue. Anyone who uh, you know 
decides to act like that in a football ground should be punished. But should the clubs be punished? Should the team be punished? No, not if you're taking the correct precautions. It's disgusting. Get it out of our game, I, I tell you. And it's sad that it's Sheffield Wednesday again, but... Let's move on. Sports headlines time. We'll be back after this with more on the Northeast Brekkie Show coming right up. Together across the Northeast. The Timbercat and the Red. Welcome back to Northeast Brekkie Show. You're tuning in with Rye, the Borough fan, Ted the Mackham, Steve the Geordie, and Daz the Button Pusher, but also a Borough fan. We are not talking Carabao Cup anymore, so if you are going to WhatsApp in the show, we'll give you the number, but if it's about Borough and the Carabao Cup, you will be banned. Daz, what's that number? <laughs> it's, all, <laughs> it's all double three or oh, oh, four three two thousand two. We'd love to hear from you this morning. That's our WhatsApp number. You can drop us a message. You can drop us a voice note. Uh, click on the little microphone in the chat box and record yourself a little voice note if you want or you could even give us a call or double three or or four three two thousand and two to contact the three leg ends this morning steve ted and ray on the northeast footy brecky and please stop if you are one of the the fan people of calling up for ted he will not return your calls all right he said no more fan mail all right so please stop sending it a station we're inundated all right now i'm going to talk about you speak for all of my 27 followers (laughs) (laughs) we're going to talk about the efl lads because this is kind of driving me a little bit insane i obviously it affects borough and sunderland potentially hoping that we won't be but we are going to be affected by this next season you would think in the 24-25 season has been announced the details of when it will kick off how long it'll go for yada 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 the confirmed season date will be kicking off on the 10th to the 11th of august 2024 and the regular campaign will end on may the 3rd 2025 there will be 46 rounds of league matches taking place across 33 weekends nine midweeks and four bank holidays in the championship teddy boy why does the championship full of fruit play tea, so why do we play so many games? I mean, 46 games over the space of 33 weekends, obviously including the nine midweek games and four bank holidays. Is there, a, is there a sense that it is too much football? I mean, we're seeing the championship like just on the weekend, and I, I'm going to bring it up because it's not an excuse, but Chelsea have just come off a 10-day rest. Middlesbrough had three. We had the Carabao Cup semifinal, one of the biggest games of our, of our, of our careers. And we and Middlesbrough come off a three-day rest, nigh two-day rest, Chelsea with 10, because of the fixture hugeness, and I know that's not a correct you know word, but I'm going to use it, the hugeness. Enormity. I'm disgusted. Thank you, thank you. Of 46 games in a regular season, is it too much? Wash your mouth out. Wash your mouth out, young man. There is no such thing as too much football. How dare you? How dare you? From your sunny island, start spouting such vile language like that. We want more football. I mean, bear in mind, it's 46 games over 33 weeks if you don't go on a really, really lucky run in the cup where you get no big teams until you get to the semi-finals. You know, what? 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 Cut, cut him off. Didn't mention anyone. Didn't, didn't mention anyone. Sue me. Sue me. <laughs> See you all in court. Seven nil. Seven nil. Oh, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do. Oh, it was the women's team. <laughs> well, they're just newly formed. You know, we're still finding our feet. Give the lasses a chance. You know, but well, Aston Villa didn't because they failed at illegal players. But there you go. Yeah, for me, mate, uh, 
I know it's tough on the players, and you know you look at the injuries that that all three of the the big northeast teams have had this season. Fixture congestion is is a bit of an issue, of course it is, but at the same time, it's why we love it. It's not the injuries, obviously, but we love having those midweek games. We love having like so, you know back to back matches over that festive period and things like that. It's why I love football. It's it's kind of like you, there's always, you know, another game in four days' time or there's another game next weekend to put things right or, you know, to see if the run continues. For me, yes, the, the, we, I think that the clubs need to be better in terms of the conditioning of players. I, I think they are honed so well as athletes now that their bodies do break or un, under less stress than what players used to do. However, that that's down to the clubs to get that right. You know, a, a couple of more pies down these lads wouldn't hurt. I think They'd, you know, be able to take a bit of a knock. But yeah, I, I I love it. I I don't want to see the season become longer or or less games or anything like that. It's it's great the way it is. It's it's exciting. It's championship football for me, and obviously you know we're having to get used to it these days. Is more exciting than than Premier League football. Just for the pure fact that there is more games, there's there's such a, a a mixture of them as well. Long may it continue, in in my opinion, mate. Stevie boy, I feel like we're saying we just spoke about just before the sports headlines about the gap, the void, if you will, between the championship and the EFL, sorry EPL, getting a little bit larger. Is it? to do anything with the amount of games that the championship has to play compared to the Premier League? Premier League currently on a winter break where the championship is just roll on. Possibly. I mean, there is too many games for me in the in the championship. It's, I think when we were relegated last time, it's the one thing I dread because it makes the division so hard to get out of. I mean, I guess there's two trains of thought. Too many games can equal too many injuries and, you know, can equal... You know, a team which you know should be up there and and and, and bouncing straight back. You know, well, separates the men from the boys. But I think the flip side of it is, as a supporter, you get value for money. You know, your your season ticket, you know, is is getting you access to more games. And you know, it, if if you if you're winning games, which of course you know the last couple of relegations, Newcastle have suffered. We've been very lucky. We bounced straight back. So it it's almost like a holiday. If that makes sense for a, for you as a fan, you've been in the Premier League. You've had a horrible, stinking season where you, you you know you've never won a game. You've dropped out of the league, but then you know you you're in the Championship. You're suddenly going to these grounds that you haven't been to for years. You know you're reacquainting yourself with 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 some of these you know these places, and it, it's a party atmosphere. You're winning games every week, so it becomes it, it, you know it becomes a novelty. But should there be a reduction in games? I'm not so sure. Tazzy boy, what do you reckon, mate? Forty six games in the in the EFL. Middlesbrough obviously in currently drew, you know enduring that with the injury list we've had. We have a Carabao Cup semi final run where we saw the break Chelsea had compared to the break we had. Is there a sense that there is too much football for a championship team to then want to try and compete in these cups at the same time? Yeah, I, I think there is. I think there's a bit of that. I think there's a, a bit of an unfairness. In comparison to the to the Premier League, but I also think, you know, from a borough point of view, we don't have to worry about this for next season. It's only really Sunderland that will need to worry about it, isn't it? Really, because we you will be in the Premier League. Living in dream. You are uh, living in dream life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you know, so many times we've heard that the Premier League is the the you know the best league in the world, etc. Yada yada yada. 
the most competitive league in the world, I think it is probably this championship. You know, it is so wide open. But, you know, it's a lot of games. And I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, is, is it a money thing? Is it, is it, you know, what, what, why is it, why do we have so much cramped? You know, surely if the, the powers that be are looking into this, if the Premier League, they, you know, they, they, they're going for Europe, they're going for other cups, etc. So yeah, let's give them a little bit of a break. Why, why, why have we not got a break in the championship? Because you're right. Yeah, no, I completely you agree. Know, teams, you know, in the championship are, you know, all right. We got through the semi-finals of the, uh, the Carabao Cup, but you know, there's the FA Cup as well that are going on. You know, what's what's wrong with looking at a break for the other leagues as well uh, below the Premier League to maybe help out a little bit with easing some of those injury concerns that that, that Steve's talking about to, you know, to. to to just try and make the the playing field a little bit, you know, leveler, if you like. It's never going to be level, is it? Mm. You know, no, Premier League no. Championship. We know that, but that's certainly something that the powers could be could look at the the EFL. You know, whether they will or not. You know, whether they're just sitting and counting the the coffers of the the TV mm-hmm. money that's coming in, or the, you know, I don't know. But I, I certainly think a, a winter break in the championship next season. When you look at that that, that schedule, I, I don't think it would be a bad idea. Yeah, no. Look, I'm not. I'm day games though. Look, I'm not. I'm not saying. No, I'm, no, I'm no, probably no. not saying reduce games. Do you know what I mean? I'm probably. Yeah. I'm. I'm probably away from that. Right. But I'm all for a break. I mean, if the Premier League teams are getting a break, do you know what I mean? Especially when there's Afcon and Asian Cup like we have right now, where we've got James. Sorry, Riley McGree and Sammy Silvera away. Do you know what I mean? We've got. We had. We'd have had Senny Ding if he wasn't away, You know, injured away as well. You know what I mean? You've got the you've got teams in the AFL getting better and better, stronger and stronger, more financially secure. Now, if the Premier League are acknowledging that yes, there is more international football than ever, that there is a need for a winter break, why hasn't the EFL thought of the same thing? Why can't the championship, right, who are the league beneath the Premier League, agree that they probably need the same amount of respite, if or not a break as well? So I'm a, I agree. Forty six games, right? You can do that. I guess there's more teams in the. There's a lot more teams in the championship. You know, there's a lot more travel, all that sort of stuff. I get it, and it's probably you know, forty six rounds. You know, do it. I'm all for it. I I love watching the Borough week in week out and watch them. You know, every day of the week if I had to. But I'm just saying that there needs to be consideration that we are seeing a gap between the Premier League and the Championship getting even bigger. And maybe there is a sense that there should be a bit more rest between for championship teams just to keep it more even. Because you see exactly that in the Carabao Cup, that, you know, the, the day's rest between it. Do you know what I mean? If Sunderland had been up there playing the day after against Man City or something like that in a semifinal, you would have wanted more days off between that game. Do you know what I mean? You just would have. So it's, it's just, and it just seems to be a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of an overrun, a bit of a side thought that the Premier Championship can just keep going on like that and maybe we need to move it into the future. But I, we I will reckon, not take mate, away. No, I reckon the Premier League have got it wrong. And I, I, I've said this before on the show, I reckon the Premier League have got it wrong. Obviously, the Premier League's where the money's at and, and the robber's going to get looked after better than what the EFL does. That's that's just yep. your know, par for the course, really. I've yeah, said yeah. it time and time again. You, you shouldn't take international breaks. And that's Premier League, EFL, doesn't matter which league it is, you shouldn't take breaks for, for, for international, whether it's tournaments, whether it's friendlies, anything like that. Crack on and use what you've got in your academy. That's what you've got in academy for is to produce more players. So Ooh, blood them. Okay. Use them. Okay. 
it's mm. it, for, for me these international there's nothing more infuriating in football that's that's a lie because I'm a Sunderland fan everything infuriates me yeah. <laughs> I mean I can get angry at a waterfall these days you know it's, it's just uh, half of the clubs being a Sunderland fan but um, <laughs> getting back to the point when, one of the biggest infuriating things is, is is the international breaks when there's and it, it's it's a bugger for us as well because we have nothing to talk about on this show because <laughs> it, it's, it is that much more difficult but it's it's naff, isn't it? The international breaks, you're kind of sitting on a Saturday going, I've got absolutely zero time and, and patience to watch England play Liechtenstein in some sort of friendly that, that Gareth Southgate is going to bore the absolute corduroy trousers off us. It's just, yeah, it's naff. It's absolutely naff. So crack on. We've, we've all got academies. We've all got youth systems. We've all got under-23s. We've got, you know reserve games and all that kind of thing, promote from within. Play the mm. players that we've got there. It means their standard gets better. You're starting to give these people, the likes of Chrissy Rigg and our team, and I, and I know Middlesbrough and Newcastle have got people as well who, who can step into that and make the step up. Let's give them an opportunity to do it. It'll never happen, yeah, of no. course, because you know that you pay the money to see the, the top, top players. That's that's what sponsorship is all about. But in an ideal world, just just stop international breaks altogether. Yeah, I mean we've been we've been forced into we've been forced into using younger players because of the injury crisis. So yeah. I, I would agree. I mean, look at look at look look at the opportunity the, the injury list has given Lewis Miley. You know, he's Brilliant he's had fun. the opportunity. I, I I would agree. I think you know when you know we we don't stop we don't stop the Premier League for Afcon, do we? The African Cup of Nations takes a lot of players away from the Premier League. Liverpool are having to play at the moment without Mo Salah. So you know, don't don't stop the Premier League for for the internationals. I, I would agree. I think it would make. I would think that would make complete sense. It would would certainly would certainly be interesting to see how many players suddenly wanted to you know not play for not play for England. Though I think that's the worry. That's the that would be the concern. But if the if you know if the FA said look you know if you're selected for England you've got to play unless you're injured then you know that would take that away from it. It would it would change it would change people's philosophy. I think on things. But yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Anyway, we'll, we'll we'll talk more obviously as the season goes on. Obviously, we're going to see a lot more sort of void talk, I guess you will, in terms of how big it is between the Premier League and the Championship, and also obviously trying for those Championship teams to get through into these cup areas. It's just something for me that I think that needs to be taken into consideration as the Championship tries to close that gap. Maybe the league needs to step in and help it a little bit. Lads, richness, money, greed is the next topic I need to talk to you guys about, something that Ted's well aware of. Uh, for those that don't know, Ted is a multimillionaire. You can call him if you need a do you know, donation or anything. Uh, Ted is your man. Uh, we're Mate, I'm, so, I'm hoping somebody does steal my identity. <laughs> <laughs> the richest clubs have been revealed by an analysis by Deloitte. They do it every year. They generate and, and come up with the highest revenue generating football clubs in the whole entire world. Now, it's no shock to hear who the top five will. And I wanted, I'm going to talk to the lads a little bit about if there'll be any other team, aka Newcastle, potentially in here, getting around the FFP certainly will help. But we need to talk about Real Madrid, who have overtaken Man City to become the highest revenue generating football club this year. Real generated a record revenue of 831 million euros or 710 million pounds. Eight hundred and thirty. <laughs> 831 million euros, 710 million pounds to top the Money League study from the 2023-23, sorry, 22-23 season. So that is in the space of that season alone. 
831 million That's euros or 710 like. million pounds. My goodness me, that is a lot of money. Man City now fall into second as the second re- highest revenue generating club, which, you know, financial fair play. Hello. So, I mean, Teddy Boy, does it come as a shock that Real Madrid have, have overtaken Man City uh, considering everything going on? There's an old business expression, mate. Turnover for vanity, profit for sanity. Now, Ooh. you can you can turn over eight hundred million pounds. Yeah, absolutely spectacular. That brilliant, well done. How much of that is actually profit? Because you, you obviously look, there's no getting away from this. Real Madrid are like probably the biggest name in football. There's, there's no getting away from that. As far as teams are concerned, historically, probably the most successful that there's ever been in Europe. An absolute juggernaut of a club. But they're playing catch-up. And the Spanish League, in in my opinion, is behind where the Premier League is. I would say it's maybe even behind the, the, the Bundesliga as well now. There's only a couple of clubs in that division that, that are any worth whatsoever. So it's no real surprise that, you know, Spain's a big country. People are going to go out and buy the shirts and all that sort of thing. But... Given the size of the club, given the size of their their fan base, eight hundred million is not a massive surprise. I just I just wonder how much of that is profit. You know, we talk about financial fair play and things like that, and Man City up there with their, with that kind of turnover. Ultimately, it means nothing without without the bottom line. And I, I'm sorry to go all business talk. I don't know it is boring and all that kind of thing, but whatever they're producing as turnover figures means nothing if they're not making a profit, mate. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Stevie boy, uh, just listen to some of these stats, mate. Two, 2024, Money League clubs combined together reported record revenues of $10.5 billion, which is an increase of 14% compared to the last season or the year before that's revenue of combined $9.2 billion, right? Real Madrid obviously returned to the first time uh, since the 2017-2018 Right, with the record, that's their record ever of 831 million euros or 710 million pounds in one season. The average revenues generated by 15 of the highest revenue generating clubs stood at 4.3 million as well. So that's for women's clubs as well. So it's gone up, women's clubs have gone up 61% in revenue. So this is women's football clubs in Europe have gone up 61% in revenue. So, I mean, you're seeing you're seeing men's football increasing. Obviously, they're only going up, you know, by a billion. I say only by a billion, like it's just pocket change, but it is for Ted. Uh, but you, you, women's football, sixty-one percent. You know, what I mean, is huge. Is it? Is are we just crazily seeing how much football is worth to people now? Is it why we've got US investors coming in, seeing how much it's worth? Is it crazy to see Real Madrid taking over from Man City for you? Uh, I, I, you know, honestly, the football finance, you know, is something which leaves, I think, most of us, uh, including us on this show, just scratching our heads because, you know, it just doesn't make sense how teams can run, you know, millions and, and, and in some cases, billions worth of loss through the through the clubs, yet can still go out and pay ludicrous wages for people, you know, like, you know, Mbappe and Benzema. They pay a ludicrous fee and then they pay a ludicrous wage, you know, each week. And I thought 20 years ago, 
the bubble would burst. I thought Sky would, you know, Sky would, you know, eventually see, you know, the the end of football as we knew it. But, I, you know, we're still going on. We're still seeing huge television deals, huge advertising deals, and we're seeing ridiculous wages. Year after year, we're seeing the transfer record being broken. I mean, you know, I remember us all going, £15 million for Alan Shearer, for a footballer. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he looks like a bargain now, doesn't he? Compared to some of the uh, <laughs> some of the deals that have been done, a hundred million plus for Harry Kane, unbelievable. Yeah. Yes, the kid scores goals. Yes, he's very good at what he does. But is he worth a hundred million pound? I mean, you know, it's it's crazy. I mean, and to see to see that league this morning, and to see who's it who's who's it in in that league is no surprise. You know, Real Madrid. You know, jockeying for position with, you know, the usual suspects, Barcelona, Manchester United. Those two have got debts coming out their ears. Barcelona are, you know, in one in, in one breath, we're seeing reports that Barcelona are, are skint. And then, and then yet there they are as the, you know, the highest, the, you know, the highest earners and, and the money going through the bank. So try and make sense of it. You know, try and try and dissect football finance. I know there are some people who who do that. Kieran Maguire, I've mentioned him on here before. He's he's somebody who you know I've watched. Uh, you know who tries to make sense of it and gives you gives you it in layman terms so that you know we can we can understand a little bit more about it. But you know you've just got to point to the fact that Manchester City you know have got 115 allegations of FFP breaches and and yet you know there's still still nothing being done about it. So you know I I just don't know what it all means. I, I don't understand it. I wouldn't pretend to understand it and. It, you know, I just, you know, I, I still think at some point everything will have to be, everything will have to, everything will have to be accounted for. Everything will have to be, everything will have to be laid out in, in, in you know, and, and you know, the heads will roll. That people will be accountable in some way, shape or form. But at the moment, I just, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand how teams can say they're in debt and, and they're losing money. And, and you know, they can't, they can't do this and can't do that yet. A league table like that comes out with some of the major, you know, the major clubs on there who who are who are crying poverty. I, I just I just don't understand it, lads. What what interests me it, though at this point is is like sorry, Roy, I, I couldn't in there. You, no, you you're were talking fine. about no. Real Madrid here, and yeah, we're, we're talking about a side where they've probably got the least recognised players that they've had maybe over the last thirty years, apart from the like you know Bellingham and maybe one or two others. The kind of they're not that well-known in terms of like, you know, not like the days of the Galacticos where you could go 1-11, to 11, you could absolutely name that team that's that's going to turn out every single time they play. And it's just weird that like marketable, marketability, 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 are we good? Jesus. Are you okay? Are you <laughs> yeah, okay? we are. Yeah, okay. I'll just rewind that. Yep. 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 That, you're good. Marketability yeah, of these players yep. is kind of the lowest that they've, they've ever I been. I was it's 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 just a bit of an odd one that they're now turning over more money than they ever have done, with arguably their least known squad. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. I mean th this is the revenue, right? So if you want to check out the full list, you can just head to Deloitte. That's D E L O I double T E, and they have the full list here. But just for the Premier League's sake, right? We've got Newcastle, Steve's own. They were twentieth last year. They're up to seventeenth with a generated revenue of two hundred and sorry, hundred and. Yeah, two hundred and fifty million pounds, right? So if you go on the financial fair pay, they have rev their revenues two fifty. Now I know that comes into play, right? 
West Ham have slid from 15th in the season before that down to 18th with their generated income of £239 million. You know, you got Arsenal in 10th. They haven't moved. £463 million. Tottenham Hotspur are up to 8th with £549 million of revenue. This is just incredible amounts of money. And you can just see here how, I mean, we talk about the gap, lads. The revenue here is incredible. I mean, it's 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 wild to see that some of these numbers that the, the like and like Steve said, the money these guys are, are are generating through revenue, yet crying poor. I mean, it, it's incredible. You've got you've got, for instance, Napoli. Napoli literally for a couple of seasons ago were almost bankrupt. They're now nineteenth, two hundred and thirty-two million pounds in terms of revenue generated. It's incredible to see. Uh, and just a, a shocking sort of thing for me, again, with the money. I know I've always spoken about money and, and my frustrations with financial fair play and people trying to, you know, get around the system and selling stadiums and all that sort of stuff. But the revenue at the moment is only going up. Fans and football is only on the up. If you talk about it as a marketable, look, see, I got that first time. Whoa. If you talk about it as as a selling business, then it is generating more and more income for those that invest each year. And we're talking billions of dollars. So no wonder these US markets, these Tom Brady's, these NFL players, these all these people are starting to get involved with English football teams because it is generating so much wealth. Ryan Reynolds and obviously the Wrexham saga, we're seeing that. Wrexham's probably gone up, you know, even in League Two. They've probably generated a little bit more there as well. You know what I mean? Because of, and, and we talk about how it, they come across and they're fans of football and all that sort of stuff. Are they really? I mean, is it? Is it? Are they really? I mean, surely Tom Brady. You know, he, I, I remember. You know, Tom Brady, obviously NFL superstar, growing up with the Birmingham flag on his door. You know what I mean? Not. Yeah. It, like it's. It's. You know what I mean? It's a money generating business now in, to be investing in football, and it's a money. It's a. It's a thing to either do your tax write offs. It's a thing to do. You know, move your money around, whatever it may be, and they're doing it through the football clubs. And it's incredible to see some of this revenue that they're generating with fans more than ever invested. Now they're obviously moving into the online market now with ticket sales, watching it on you know to their, their own fan club. We spoke about that with TV rights and stuff like that. It is the most wealthiest thing in the world at the moment is is football, they've and it's incredible the spot to from see. The working class, mate. It's yeah, incredible. They have it's in- the spot from the working yeah. class. Yeah, it's incredible just to see the money. Anyway, it is 8 a.m., enough money talk. It's time for your news headlines. We'll be back after this to talk a little bit of fun and games. We've also got a certain quiz coming up where I'm going to put Steve and Ted in the hot seat with a little bit of geography. That's right, I said geography. Right after your news headlines. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink. The Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. It is the Northeast Footy Breakfast, and you can get involved. You can drop us a WhatsApp on Audible 3 or 43 2002. You can WhatsApp the show at any time. You've got your have your say on anything to do with Northeast football matters or anything that the chaps have discussing and chewing about this morning. Audible 3 or 043 2002. We'd love to hear from you this morning. This is Howard Jones and no one is to blame. More Northeast football chat right after this. 
Howard Jones, no one is to blame on the North East Footy Breakfast. Six minutes past eight. Good morning. A couple of messages that we've had in via the WhatsApp. Our friend Barry's been in touch. He said, Steve, all these stories about Lascelles leaving, is it on a free or is there a fee mentioned? He also says, Mint Show, guys. And Daniil has been in touch as well. Daniil! The revenue in football may have increased, but we still have losses. My opinion is that one of the main motives for football investments is to maximise the tax benefits, i.e. corporation tax, by claiming losses via group relief. I'm sure there are many clubs... That are part of. Oh, a that group should do with a show with Daniil. He's, he's intelligent. <laughs> I like oh, okay. Thanks, thanks, Barry. By the way, yes, and I, I think there is a fee for Lascelles if he goes now, but he'd be free in the in the summer. So that's that's why there was talk of him going. But at the moment, it doesn't look like there's any exits from the club unless there's a a shock on deadline day. I still think Bayern Munich will try again for Trippier. I think there's a bit of poker going on there, Barry. But uh, we will wait and see. No worries. And he's acting the barrow as well. <laughs> yes, and you can for get a in- <laughs> <laughs> and you can get in touch with the Northeast Footy Brecky at any time via our WhatsApp or double three or or four three two thousand and two. We'd all love to hear from you this morning. We certainly would because it, it saves us having to talk to Ted all the time. Do you know what I mean? So text, wow. make sure you get into touch. What I'm sorry, Ted. Like I know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Look, Okay. Okay. It's one of them yeah, where you pull people's pigtails in the playground and exactly, like, you like exactly. Them. It's right. it's my type of flirting. Okay, so this is how it works. <laughs> right, no, time this is now uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get through some club headlines. Then we're coming back straight after that with one of the quizzes that I've come up with to stump these two lads with their geography skills. Mackems and proud Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. You can start breathing a sigh of relief, hopefully, as one of Jack Clark's most prominent interested parties have made alternative plans. Transfer insider Fabrizio Romano has stated that negotiations are advancing fast for West Ham to bring Nordiasland winger Ibrahim Osman to London for a fee of around £15.3 million. He also adds that a fresh round of talks is scheduled today and tomorrow in order for all parties to get a deal done. Sunderland women's news now and Aston Villa could face punishment for fielding an illegible player in their Continental League Cup game against Sunderland last night. Noel Moritz, who joined Villa from Arsenal in January, came off the bench in a 7-0 victory over Sunderland, which ensured Villa's progression to the quarter-finals as Group A winners. But Moritz had already played three times for Arsenal earlier in the competition. The FA are investigating, however, the FA rules say... Any club found to have played an ineligible player for a cup match or cup matches shall be in breach of these rules and the matter shall be referred to an independent tribunal for determination. And finally, Manchester United's transfer stance on Ahmad Diallo remains clear despite the breakdown of other United players' loan moves during the January transfer window. Ahmed, of course, enjoyed a fruitful loan spell at Sunderland last season, helping the team get to the playoffs. Black Cats were keen for the player to return last summer, but a knee injury complicated matters. We were credited again with an interest in the attack of this January after Ahmad's return to fitness. However, United plan to keep the player this month after paying Italian side Atalanta a reported fee of £19 million, rising to £37 million for the player in 2020. There are your Sunderland headlines. Magpies and proud. Mag's News. 
With the clock ticking in the transfer window, the gap in valuation between Newcastle and Bayern Munich over Kieran Trippier looks to be too wide. After comments from the Bundesliga side Sporting Director on Wednesday night to the effect that their interest in him is over. Yesterday brought a bid of £13 million which was rejected by Newcastle United and Bayern then announced that their interest was over. Meanwhile, Miguel Almiron is understood to have told the club he doesn't want to leave St James's Park this month. The midfielder has been linked with a move to Al-Shabaab with a talk of a £30 million bid for the Paraguay skipper, but the 29-year-old is less than a year into a newly penned contract and he loves life on Tyneside. It is believed that Almiron and his family are not open to a move this month. On the injury front, Newcastle striker Callum Wilson is likely to miss Fulham uh, trip in the FA Cup but should be ready for the trip to Aston Villa at the end of January. While Joe Willock has been stepping up his recovery behind the scenes, the Chronicle are reporting that he won't feature until at least February, while Harvey Barnes is back on the grass and trying to overcome his recurring foot issue. Tuesday saw Yankuba Mintes Gambia play the third and final game of their Africa Cup of Nations group stage campaign and they lost 3-2 to Cameroon in the Ivory Coast, meaning that they are heading home. Mintes will now return to Feyenoord to continue his loan spell uh, and then return to St James's Park in the summer. That's in your Castle headlines on Thursday morning. Smoggies and Proud, Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. How are you, beautiful humans? Hope you're fantastic, safe and well. Michael Carrick continues to reiterate that Middlesbrough will not be making any panic signings at the end of this January transfer window. Borough have so far added Luke Ayling and Finisaz to their squad, but a brace for another Aston Villa push to sign Morgan Rogers before the window closes next Thursday. It's unknown at this stage whether Rogers' departure would prompt Borough to look for a replacement, but Azaz's arrival is already leaving us very well stocked in that forward slash high playing midfielder department. Since signing Ailing as well in the second week of this month, Borough's recruitment team has already focused on trying to find a centre forward with the Manuel Latte Lath and Josh Coburn both having issues throughout the season with injuries. In what, though, has been described as not a very active market, Borough have been frustrated in their search for a striker. The stance from the club has been clear from the off, though, however, the more revivals this month would only be dependent if the right terms of player can be agreed upon. He must fit into this squad and he must not be replacing someone that might be coming back from injury. Tarek insists it would be absolutely someone if they fit. And Middlesbrough have also now going to welcome a welcome rest. It was their game with this weekend against Birmingham has been postponed. Birmingham's progression to the further into the FA Cup means that Middlesbrough will now return to action on the 4th of Feb against a team near Monk Weirmouth, south of Whitburn, near Hilton Red House, and close to their copy of the Riverside in Riverside Bowling, and also just to the west of Cox Green. We beat them at their ground, 4-0. Well, welcome to the Riverside, 4th of February. That's Shibara Headlines. From Wickham to Whitley Bay, Stonygate to Shields, Doggy to Darlow Back Lane, Steve, Ted and Rye. The Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the Northeast. The red, the tune, and the cat. Welcome back to the Northeast Brecky Show. What headlines they were. See the geographical references I got there, Daz? I'm very, very, very impressed, yeah, actually, yeah. mate. I'm thank very you. impressed. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Look at me doing my research. My friend Jack, not yours, Ted. My friend Jack said, oh. Morning, lads. A great show, as always. But I think there's something up with Ted's mic. It sounded like oh. he just said that they lost 7-0. 
Um, oh, oh, a little bit. At least, of we, at least we have the the dignity to do it in private, and not. From- <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay, all right. Well, now I'm going to quiz them, lads, because okay. don't you worry, I'm going to put them in the hot seat. It's time for Rise Made Up Quiz, and it's all to do with geography. This morning, I'm going to put Stevie Boy and Teddy Boy in the hot seat. No, I'm going to list off <laughs> ten Stick players here. Right, ten players, and the lads are going to have to tell me what country. They are from, okay? I've already, I've already submitted my answers. <laughs> All right. Steve has already <laughs> given up, okay? Ten <laughs> players, and they're not to be yelled out. What I'll do is I'll say the player, and then you lads write them down, and then you need to send your answers into Daz, much like we did the other week. Daz yep. has got the answers in front of him, and oh, then later on, Daz will reveal who got the best, who got the best ten. Yep. So I'll give you a second just to get a pen and paper or your WhatsApp open. You will need to send your answers into Daz. How you can play along at home as well. <laughs> You're right. You can play along at home as well, and if you want to, the WhatsApp number, Daz, for them to get in touch so they can play along. It's O double three O O four three two thousand and two. Yeah, just drop us a WhatsApp with your answers as well. There you go. So I'm going to give you ten footballers, right, from around the world. You need to name and tell me what country they are from. Now, not only does this help me learn where they're from, but it also helps me with pronunciation of certain names. That's why I'm doing it, okay? Because it helps me to help you. Help me to help you, okay? Right. Are you ready, Steve? In the red corner. Yep. Are you ready, Ted? In the blue corner. Well, I, I, a bit I of mute. want to be in the blue corner. I want to be in the red corner. <laughs> no. It's going to be okay, like that. Okay, swap ends. Yeah. Are you ready in the black and white corner, Steve? Yeah, I've already submitted my answers, but yeah. <laughs> Ted, are you ready in the cock screen corner? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> right. Yes, are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. We've got even got you some music as well. Here we go. Oh, listen to it. It's Rise Geography. Nah, that's not gonna work. Right, the first player, James Rodriguez. James Rodriguez. You need to tell me what country is James Rodriguez from. Okay. Number two, lads. Robbie Keane. What country is Robbie Keane from? Number three. Didier Drogba. Didier Drogba is number three. Number four. Sadio Mane. Money. 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 I got it right. See, this is helping me. Sadio Mane. What country is Sadio Mane from? Number four. Number five, Gillette, a.k.a. George Best. The best the man can get. George Best in number five. What country is George Best from? Number six, Arturo Vidal. Arturo Vidal. What country is Vidal from? Number six. Number seven, Samuel Eto'o, one of the greatest strikers I've seen. Samuel Eto'o, what country is he from? Number eight, number eight, Georgios Paragunas. Georgios Paragunas. Right, I am so proud of you this morning. Number eight. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Paragunas, mate. Number nine, 
Kenny Dalglish. Number nine, Kenny Dalglish. I feel like I'm a bingo. 29. And number 10, Pavel Nedved. Pavel Nedved. Right. You need to have told me, if you've just tuned in, what country those 10 players represent. Where are they from? All right. In that order as well, one through to 10. I'm not going to go through them again because oh, I honestly did struggle this. on a couple. Okay. But they are your top 10. I reckon Stevie's actually was a bit worried, but I, I reckon he's nailed it. I reckon Steve is that sneaky. I don't want to play, but then he gets A grade. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, that guy's yeah, like, yeah, oh, I don't want to run the 100 meters. And then he gets first place and beats, you know, all the other runners. All right. So number, that is your quiz for this morning. It's a geography quiz, right? Because we were learning Sunderland places. And that is your number one through 10 players. Name the country. Text them in on the WhatsApp number. Steve and Ted, but also playing at home if you want to, you can text in to the show. On 033-043-2002. If you've got your answers, we'd love to hear from you. 033-043-2002. So I've got both sets of answers now. Uh, just, just, give me, just give me a sec, I'll mark them. Yeah, you could, you could. Please mark them. Please mark them. See how I... I think you'll find mine's easy to there? mark. <laughs> <laughs> Did you struggle on any of them, Ted? No. No, to be honest, no? I was actually okay. going to show off on one because I was going to give the uh, the official French name to one of the, the countries, but I, I thought, no, just in case I mess no, it up. Ah, here we go. Uh, like last time. Here we go. In English. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Steve? You struggle on them? No, I, I did really well. See, told you. I don't want to play, <laughs> and then he just nails it. This is this guy. Right, lads, while Daz is telling up the numbers to see who's the winner. Steve just hides his enthusiasm so <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> Let's talk about UK billionaire. A bit of a crazy one, this story breaking in overnight. Joe, UK billionaire Joe Lewis, whose family trust owns Tottenham Hotspur, uh, has pleaded guilty to insider trading in a US court. Lewis, who is 86 years old, was accused on passing on information about his companies to his private pilots, friends, personal assistants, and romantic partners. Teddy Boy, as a billionaire that's probably passed on a little bit too much, uh... How do you feel about Joe Lewis here? Joe Lewis obviously is the he's the obviously the family trust owns Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, pleading guilty in the US as well to insider trading. I don't think it affects Tottenham too much, mate. But still, not the greatest not the greatest look. No, I think he's finished in boxing now. To be honest. <laughs> well, have I googled the wrong one? <laughs> That's oh. literally all I had to say on that one. But never mind. <laughs> yeah, no. Look, inside the trading, inside the trading is one of those big, big. It's probably one of the ultimate crimes in business. I mean, at eighty-six years old, you're kind of thinking. Well, what are they going to do? They can't stick him. They can't exactly give him life in prison. I mean, they could give him a six-week sentence, and that could be life in prison at that age, couldn't it? It's 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 silly. Very very silly. You would think somebody who's got at that age amassing those sort of millions, obviously clearly a very very smart businessman over the years. Yeah, it's just just daft really. I don't think Tottenham have got anything to worry about. I don't think it affects them in any way whatsoever. Like really, but yeah, just just very surprising to see someone of, of that that age of that experience as a businessman doing something that's that's well documented as being very easy to trace for the right authorities and just something so so daft really but yeah it's a bit of an odd one mate 
Well, yes. Well, just on, on, just giving you more information to the story. Win. More information to the story. U.S. authorities have said that the fraud has netted millions of dollars of profit over a massive amount of time. Lewis founded, obviously, the investment firm Tavistock, which has ownership stakes in large array of properties, sports, finance, energy, and life sciences, all which are linked. So that would include Tottenham, you would think. He was ranked 39th in the 2023 Sunday Times Rich List with an estimated worth of more than five billion pounds. He was arrested, obviously, July 2023, and he's just proven, uh, he's just pleaded guilty overnight. Steve. Yeah. Another money-related question that seems to be dominating our show today, but Joe Lewis, not the boxer, the family trust owns Tottenham Hotspur, pleading guilty years and years of insider trading, apparently. Shock yeah, you? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't shock us because, you know, like I said, with 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 all of these Premier League clubs, and you know, I'm sure if you, you you've divulged, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, who does what, you know, and 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 who finances this, and you know, I think there'd be a few skeletons in most clubs' cupboards. But I think what probably shocks me is the bit of honesty. Clearly, the evidence is is being laid out, and uh, there's no way out. And he's you know he's pleading guilty because he, you know if if he doesn't, then maybe the the, the punishment for the crime is going to be more severe. So one would imagine. Um, Mr. Louis is simply protecting, you know, you know what what he has, his assets, and you know potentially, you know, hopefully, hopefully, from his perspective, you know, reducing any particular sentence that's going to be given to him. I think that's that's it, really. I mean, these people, these people don't hold their hands up and say, "Yeah, it was me," unless they've got to, do they? That's that's my that's my reading of it. I think it's a strange, a strange scenario. And, yeah, and it is. Certainly, for somebody who's somebody who's got that reputation to suddenly, you know, you know, essentially ruin your reputation, you know, by you know by numerous acts of stupidity, is is a little strange. But but yeah, I mean, we'll see what punishment he gets now. You know, will it be a case of, you know, a slap on the wrist, or will it be more? Who who knows? But yeah, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that um you know that this person has, has come forward and said this. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a strange it's a strange one, but it won't affect Spurs. I, I think the early the early feelings when we heard this story break was oh you know could they be in trouble could mm. they be could there be points deduction could it be a could it be an issue that affects the football club but uh, no it's not going to uh, by the looks of it it's not going to affect Tottenham it's uh, it's a personal thing and maybe the club have said you know maybe the club have maybe in, in you know maybe that's the situation where they've come out and said look you need to take this on the chin you you need to hold mm. your hands up and you need to say this just in case you know the Premier League as 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 we know they are you know the forensically going through everything now because they mm. want to be you know they want to be squeaky clean maybe the maybe there has been a a force of hand from the club and and Daniel Levy and said look you can't you can't you can't put any of put any of this on our toes you know this is your responsibility make sure that everybody knows this is you and you alone but it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see how it develops I'll be interested to see what punishment he gets first and foremost yeah not wrong especially do, at the age of eighty six Dazzy boy so, yeah, Do you sorry, think part yeah. of the insider training was uh, trading was like him saying that he doesn't think Spurs are going to win the league this season? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me give you one instance, and I'll get you, I'll get Daz's thoughts on it because uh, Daz is a rich man. Uh, Daz, following one of the instances that has been proven in court, uh, this is obviously alleged at the moment as well, but he has pleaded guilty. It is that Lewis allegedly wired his private pilots, Patrick O'Connor and Brian Moore, not Dave Roberts, surprisingly in there, <laughs> 500000 each to buy stock in a company after tipping them off with confidential information. 
right? That was that was one of the pilots that came forward and said that he was given five hundred thousand dollars, and they've these people that he has done this with have made millions and millions of dollars on his insider trading, on telling him, and obviously getting loans to bet uh, to put the money on. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure this sort of thing happens every single day in the business world. This sort of insider stuff, and mm. you know, I mean, it's not good for, for me. The fact that he's he's pleaded guilty to this almost makes me suggest that there's a, there's a, maybe a deal on the table. You know, you plead guilty, and we'll we'll make sure that this happens, or that you know, you won't get there won't be a custodial sentence or whatever. That that's just what it feels like to me. You know, I, I would be highly surprised if it does affect Tottenham. You know, in, in you know, in, on the larger scale, you know, I, I, you would hope that it, it that it wouldn't. You know, in terms of that, but it's just it's these sordid stories, isn't it, that we it's, can do without yeah. uh, around our yeah. clubs. Uh, and I'm saying our clubs yeah. in terms of you know the UK's, you know, the, the yeah. Premier League. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 yeah stories like this that just leave a sort of bit of taste and and just remind us that. You know that that money is is, and Steve says all the time, money is ruining this game. It is, yeah, no, yeah, it is. Just no, the WhatsApp lads and the group that we can't talk about. Oh right. no, what's happened? Was it me and the, the whole not listing Dave, Dave Roberts? Roberts. I, I, careful, it was, it was, I'm listening. Oh and no, then backed oh, no. up with, I'll give you some insider trading. The lineup yes. can change. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no, well. <laughs> It's been a great show. Uh, thank you for tuning in on what was a great run, right, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> thank, you. Yeah, yeah. thank you, lads, for having me. I appreciate each and every one of you. I will be back on a different station. No, I'm kidding. Oh, 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 of course, Dave, Dave loves me. Oh, bam, there's a replacement. <laughs> <laughs> Just before yeah, your sports headlines, <laughs> Dazzy Boy, have you got the results of a certain quiz? I have. I have got the results Okay, here. is there a winner? Oh, um... There is a winner. There is a winner. Yes, absolutely. And it was a very, very close thing. So, in Rise Geography type footballing quiz, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, we have in second place with nine points, it's Steve. So, that means in first place with ten points, it's Ted. Hold on a minute, Daz. Oh, hang on. Hold on a minute, Daz. Stewart's inquiry. Yeah, I'm just going to screenshot what I sent you, Daz. (laughs) I'm going to screenshot unless you're going to be honest and read it out what I sent you. All right, okay then. Um, (laughs) Steve's. Uh, Steve sent me. Um, uh, okay, yeah, we got VAR here. Let me just. It's um, in the group, lads. Yeah. Oh, it's it's in the group. There it is. Um, Yeah. Um, <laughs> so for number one, Steve Sorry. passed. Sorry, uh, for number two, he passed. Number three, he passed. Number four, he passed. Number five, he passed. I must have misread them. Uh, yeah. But the winner is Ted. Teddy boy. But on Ted. But on Teddy boy. How many did Ted actually get right though? Just out of interest. Uh, all ten. Yeah, definitely. Oh, well done, lads. Wow. And well he done. was. I mean, sometimes the word hadn't finished uh, coming out of Rye's mouth and Ted had, had texted the answer. Really? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was. Uh, 
Red Hot geography. I was, I was, I was wow. going to go for Cote d'Ivoire for Didier Drogba. Yes, because that's the. Right, I just, oh, I was proving I'm a man of me word because when the when Ted did the geography quiz, I said if there's any more geography quizzes on this show, I won't <laughs> yeah, do them right. Now he the did. fact that you, you you're a part timer on this part oh, yeah, probably yeah. means that you didn't hear me say that. Yeah. I am not doing it. I am yeah. not doing yeah. geography. Yeah, well, maybe I'm the just new replacement for me, you'll have, to re- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you'll have to bring it up with him. It's time for your sports and news headlines here at 8.30am on the Northeast East Show. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Together across the northeast. The Cat and the Red. It is the Northeast Footy Brekkie on DAB online and on your smart speakers right across the Northeast on the Cat, the Tune, and the Red. Davey Ladd has been listening in to us, you know, this morning. He's supposed to be on his sleeping, but he's been secretly listening in. And he said, having heard this morning's quiz, due to his love of astronomy and aviation, Radio Dad will be revealing the out of the world quiz very soon. Geography, Dave, I won't be doing it. <laughs> yeah, learn your lesson, Dave. <laughs> he went, even if it's on this planet or off another planet, he won't be doing it, okay? Exactly. No geography it's out of this whatsoever. world. I'm not doing it. <laughs> hey, I noticed on Sky Sports News this morning, I was just looking through the headlines there, and it's saying Arsenal transfer news. Marseille are keen on Tavares' loan. Apparently, Marseille had a chat with him and said, You to me are everything. The sweetest song that I could sing, oh baby. Well, that looks like that one will go through. Well done. I'm here all week. Well done. Actually, I'm not. Well done. Thankfully. I thought that we were interested in, uh, were they not interested in saying that Colombian because heaven was missing an angle, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, what have I started? No, oh. no, 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 no. In real news, uh, Northeast football fans, especially those concerned with Middlesbrough, Brian Giles is back in the championship. Can you believe it? Looking to sign a loan deal for the rest of the season at Hull City. So Ryan Giles, is, uh, I think it was a record-breaking move to Luton at the time. Luton was, yeah. obviously breaking their record transfers for him. Hasn't worked out. He's now back in the championship on loan to Hull City for the rest of the season with a view to sign permanently as well. So interesting one there, Borough fans, just breaking through as well to see we might come up against Ron Giant, Ryan Giles uh, I mean, later he, this season. He was great for us last season, you know, without a doubt. He had some great assists. He was. And I'd take Angel now, though. My goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think this is a, a real coup for Hull, who were obviously... We talked about it the other day, didn't we? I think somebody mentioned that if, you know, if Borough don't sign a striker, does that show their lack of ambition? Yeah, that's what they... Uh... I, I think I think Hull are showing their ambition and, they, you know, they're going to make a big push for this playoffs, I think, with the signings yeah. that they're making. Yeah, getting over Sunderland as well, which was, you know, an easy feat, I guess you could say, these days. Uh, let's move on. Uh, VAR... <laughs> VAR is back. (laughs) VAR, it's time. I've left it to the last half hour of the show to bring up that one and famous three-letter word, VAR. It's back, lads. It's weird. It's ugly head. Nottingham Forest have been informed by the referee's organisation that the video assistant referee did not have the power to rule out Brentford's disputed equaliser on Saturday. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, on the weekend, Ivan Tony's return, which we discussed yesterday on the show, and we were all in agreement. It was a bit weird to see Ivan Tony returning from a band to get the captain's armband. And he, but not only that, but during the game, he has equalized for Brentford by moving the ball 
to the right, and I'm not talking as you know a minuscule amount. He's literally picked the ball up. He's also grabbed the Gillette shaving cream, scraped that on the ground to, as if it's going to look like a new line, and moved the ball a good you know a good position little shift to the right. Uh, he then scored this the free kick. Nottingham Forest were then um, said to investigate. They asked the question. And the answer was that VAR couldn't have intervened because it doesn't have the power to do that. Steve, why doesn't VAR have the power to overrule decisions on the pitch when it certainly overrules a lot more on the pitch? It's just the way that the rules have been set up. And, and you know, again, it's, a, it's another head scratcher with VAR. We're all left thinking, you know, that we you were going to be improving the game with this technology, but it's just another ludicrous rule that, that, that has been implemented from the very start and you know certain situations it, it's not all situations that it affects but it's a situation like that it affects and ultimately the referee is the man who still has the power you know to make decisions on the pitch and if he doesn't flag that up as a as an issue if he doesn't if he doesn't see it and you know and clamp down on it then VAR can't say to the referee Hold on a minute, he's just moved the ball. So, you know, it's as simple as that, really. It's, 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 you know, it's the right thing because the referee should have control. But then the referee, you know, the referee doesn't have ultimate control because if he misses something in play, then, you know, they, you know, they can then pull it back and say, hold on, he was offside. Hold on, that was a handball. So, yeah, I mean, really, you know, the referee should have picked up on it. He should have, you know, he, he should have been. You know, he should have been on the ball, shouldn't he? He should have. He should have gone back once the once once he's happy that the wall's gone the correct distance, and once he's happy that you know he's ready to restart play, he should have gone back to see where he had you know essentially awarded the free kick. He would have noticed because, like we mentioned, it it looked like party string that he picked up. It looked like he was using something along those lines, and he <laughs> didn't. He, it, as he picked it up, it if you watch it back, it it almost like. You know, it disintegrates, but, you know, mm-hmm. he manages to pick part of it and move it. But there was quite clearly the original line was still where the free kick was awarded. So had the referee gone back and looked at the positioning, you would have seen that the ball had been moved. So then he could have corrected it. And all he would have said was, you know, he wouldn't have, I, I don't think he would have booked Tony at all. I mean, you know, it, he would have just said, look, you know, we'll have the ball back where it was, please. But that's that, you know, and, and in real time, was that really going to be picked up whenever whenever somebody, you know, whenever whenever VAR, you know, the VAR officials, you would imagine, would be sitting watching that. And, you know, it, it's it's just natural for a striker to, to pick a ball up and get placement and do what he wants. But, you know, with further examination, you know, with hindsight, you watch it and he, he quite clearly gives himself an advantage. And, you know, you, you've got to blame that you've got to blame the defenders as well. I mean, you know, one of the defenders saw exactly what was going on, you know, was, you know, told the goalkeeper to, to change, you know, to, 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 to change his wall or to you know, to, to to watch his position, and he, he you know he telegraphed what was going to happen, and you know they didn't stop it. So you know it, it is what it is. It's not the most controversial thing I've seen this season, as far as VAR or non VAR is concerned. But you know it's it's done now, and you just got to move on. But you know I dare say when there's a free kick on the edge of the box, referees and linesmen will be looking a little bit more at Mister Tony, uh, making sure that he doesn't move the ball. And I think the next attempt he will be clamped down on. Teddy boy, I think it's a bit silly that you've got a video assistant referee. The referee is actually in the name and he can't intervene when he, if he's picked something up that the referee hasn't seen, that he can't get in the ear and say, look, mate, Ivan Turney's just moved the ball a bit. You might want to bring that back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in the rules. First of all, I, I have to take you to task, right? 
you, you described oh, me yeah. as a three-letter word. It's, a, it's actually an acronym. But there you go. Uh, oh, the, yeah, well, the it's gr- Grammar lesson aside. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, yeah. Well played. Well played. No, no worries. No worries. They're, they're just friendly. Yeah, so VAR, obviously, <laughs> no authority to intervene on restarts. So, yeah, it, it's, it's down to the referee on the pitch. I, I, I get what you're saying. Video referee is there for a reason to, to pick up on things like that, and the, there maybe could have been a word in the air. But we've got to bear in mind that VAR is still very much in its infancy. It's it's still developing all the time, and as as far as we're finding out, its limitations on an almost daily basis, really. So yeah, it, not much you can do. I mean, look, it's not like Ivan Tony's like moved at you know ten foot closer to the goal and kind of given an absolute deal like advantage. He's he's stole a yard. It happens all the time. How many times do we see free kicks taken anywhere around the park? The, the almost never in the exact spot that the incident has taken place. It's just part of the game. Players steal a yard. Whether it's given them so much of an advantage where it's 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 given him an advantage in, in terms of scoring, he might have scored the free kick if he took it from exactly where it was supposed to be taken from. We we don't know that. He's all he's done is move the ball a little bit. Like Steve says, it's not worth a book and it's it's not even worth you know it's maybe a little bit of a word of come on, go on, knock it back a couple of inches, mate. That's that that's where I've I've drawn the line. It's down to the referee for me to, to ensure the ball is in place and, and, and all is good and keep an eye out for things like that. We know it happens. If we're going to be that stringent about the rule, then then watch the player as as the free kick's being taken. Take one last check before the free kick's even taken. Whatever, but yeah, it's. I don't think enough of an advantage was was gained where it, that's that's resulted in the goal because he could have quite easily stuck it away from where the the, the free kick was originally spotted. So, do you think? Uh, I guess if in another instance, if the, Ivan Tony had moved the ball forward, for instance, to gain a couple of you know to bring it closer to the goal, then the VAR could have stepped in. It's, I mean, is that technically it's like, it's like that, how long's a piece of string, though, isn't it? Because if if you're moving it forward two, three inches, then is that an advantage? Probably not. It's it's maybe just avoiding maybe a, a little divot in 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 the turf. So, moving it forward, something like that, not really an advantage, isn't it? the grand scheme of things? You're talking about a pitch that's like you know what 110 meters long, whatever it is. It's in the grand scheme of things, it's not an advantage. But obviously, if you're trying to steal you know, a, a metre, two metres, something like that, then yes, obviously that, that it should be intervened. You're never going to get it exactly on the blade of grass that, that it's pointed out in the first place, are you? And and I would hate to think we get to that stage that we're being that petty about it, that we're having to stop, you know, like in snooker, to have a ball re-spotted and sort of look at the camera angles and then take even more time out of the action of the game to have a free kick spotted exactly where it should be taken from. Because that that mm. that just that just ruins the game even more. As I mean, obviously, on this we see the shaving cream, for instance, being put where the ball needs to be kicked from, and then obviously they space out and put it for the wall. Is there any point putting it where the ball needs to be kicked from if we can just move it around a little bit? Yeah, it's 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 all a bit of a farce for me, and I think the fact that they've come out and said, "Look, we can't do anything about this." Is is highlighting it again when it didn't? Did it really need highlighting again? You know, the bloke has just come back from a ban for for cheating for doing something that he shouldn't have done. He goes straight back on the pitch. They give him a glorious welcome back. They make him club captain, and one of the first thing he does is 
he he cheats again and you know moves the ball, moves the shaving form, scores a goal, runs away like he's a hero. I just it just again a sour taste in your mouth, mm. and I you know I, I'm thinking of kids watching this thinking. Oh, well, that's all right. He's got away with this, hasn't he? So that's all right then. We can, mm. we can all do this. Yep, we can all do this, everyone. You know, I, you know, one one of the things that talking to a dad who, I mean, my my lads are now nineteen, coming up twenty. Yep. And I went through the whole sort of kids football with them, you know, playing for a local team and all that sort of stuff. And and one of the dads, I was chatting to a guy and he was saying that his kids are going through all that now, they're nine or 10 or what have you, and going through that. And one of the things that the kids are doing now is as they're coming off the pitch, you know, at halftime or what have you, have you when they're talking to each other, they're covering their mouths with their hands as they're talking to each other. Like you see the footballers okay. do on the telly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hilarious. Nice. You know, these kids are thinking, right, this is what I'm watching them do this on oh, the telly. So, this is what we need to do. <laughs> Just in case anybody is asking, you know, are, are you, have, you got, have you got a baby Bella at half time? No, no, I've got a fruit shoot. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, so kids are watching what these professional footballers are doing on the TV. The copy. Yeah, the copy exactly. And, you know, I don't think we should be highlighting this anymore. I don't know why this is a story in that, by the way, well, we can't... Well, it's Rice fault. He did the headlines. No, 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 no. No, but why is why have they come out and said, we can't do anything about this? Why didn't they just leave it then? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's yeah. not news, is it? I mean, I, the news I do is, want to be like the we players. can't do anything. So I'm, I'm going to start talking at the radio through my hand now. Can you guys still hear me? All right, I'm talking through my hand. Okay, so now nobody that potentially is tuning in, you know, maybe Radio Dad who wants to, you know, change the lineup. Now he can't see what I'm saying, see? And now we're safe, okay? So now, well done. Uh, how clever am I? But you're absolutely right, yeah, Daz. And it's the message it sends to the young, the younger audience that copy everything that the players want to do. They're heroes. What they do on and off the pitch, you know, is exactly how the, you know, these people want to live their lives. If they go and buy this new TV, then they, you know, these guys want that TV sort of thing. So it is an interesting thing that it has even been brought in up. Now, still on Nottingham Forest, lads, it's just been revealed as well last night. Something that's interesting to me is that the majority, now they haven't revealed how many of them, but obviously we know that Nottingham Forest are now struggling with FFP, so much struggling that they've been fined and they will have to face the the truth serum very soon about what's going to happen there. But the majority of the Nottingham Forest squad has has been revealed that they do not have any pay cut clauses in their contracts in the event of relegation. Therefore, if Nottingham Forest come through and have to be relegated due to the financial fair play, even if they've got points taken off them, whatever it may be, if they have... Be, but find themselves in the championship next season, then their 20, 30-odd signings that they made for multi-million dollars are all going to be on the current wages they're on. Teddy boy, surely something has to be done where that something like that happens when they drop to the championship? Yeah, I, mean, I can't get my head around this because every club should have that written to every single contract. Because, I mean... At best, it's arrogant to presume that you're not going to get relegated. And if you do, I mean, that absolutely ruins the club. Without fail, that absolutely ruins the club. It's, it's uh, To take a wage bill down in the championship like that, all right, you're fine for one year maybe, you might, might get away with it. Let's face it, Forrest haven't got absolute world-beaten superstars like some of the other Premier League teams have. So you might just squeak away with it. but. That's 
that's assuming you are going to bounce straight back up. There is no guarantee of that in the championship. We've seen it over the years. Leicester, different beast this year. And Leicester looked very, very strong. They looked to all intents and purposes like they're going to go back up. But how many of of those sides do we see in the championship, even in League One, some even in League Two, who are former Premier League clubs who can't get back out of that division and back back into the Premier League? Taking that wage bill down into year two in the championship, that is that is dangerous. And given the sanctions and everything that that's you know the the charges that Forest are facing, the owners are they're almost they're just sleepwalking the club into oblivion. It's it's absolutely astounding. I mean, I know I was I was upset at the time when uh, when we got relegated and, and Jermaine Defoe had a release clause in his contract. Now that's that's a different thing. So basically, it was uh, if Sunderland got relegated, Jermaine Defoe was free to join another club. This is when we got relegated out of the Premier League. And fans were absolutely raging about that because that never should have existed. You know, our best chance of firing ourselves back up into the Premier League would have been holding on to somebody like Jermaine Defoe to fire the goals in to take us back. That wasn't allowed to happen. But what we always have done is, is put those relegation clauses in. I think it's like anywhere between 15 and 25% maybe that they lose, possibly even more now, probably about a 40% cut. But that's got to be there. I mean, if it, those players, if those players don't keep you in the Premier League, they don't deserve to be play, paid Premier League wages, do they? It's just common it's sense. incredible, isn't it? It's incredible. I mean, Steve, their annual payroll, right? Their annual, this is annual, not their weekly, but their yeah. annual payroll is 74 74,652, I mean... 74 million? 74 million, sorry, yeah. 74 million, 652,000 is their annual payroll for a 1,435,615 weekly. That is their current payroll. Their average player is on £37,779 per week for a yearly average player of around £2 million. That dropping down to the championship, ludicrous, right? Yeah, it is. You know, not having those kind of fees. I, I, I'd like to know how many players would be like if they do go down with their season. How many would be able to contract? But I mean, they've got yeah. so many players, haven't they? I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't kept a close eye on on Forest's squad, but I mean, they did, they did almost sign an entirely new team when they first got to the Premier League. I mean, it's paid dividends for them. They've stayed up, and you know, they've they've managed to, they've managed, to, they've managed to retain that Premier League position. I mean, you know, unless they have you know points deducted, yeah, it, I still say the bottom three of the three that go, but. I think Forrest could do it again this season. But yeah, it, it's dicing with it's dicing with financial danger, really doing something like that. And, you know, you'd have to have a huge fire sale. Players, you know, players, players would want to go at the end of the season. And, you know, there, 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 there's some players there that would be handy for, for Premier League teams and, and, and championship teams. So they, they just have to have a, a big sale. But yeah, it, it's it does leave you scratching your head a little bit. I mean, it, those figures that you've just mentioned, 37,000 is, is what their average player is on wage wise. Oh, it's it's not it's not particularly high wage for the Premier League. I can imagine that's a high wage for Nottingham Forest, having spent a lot of time in the Championship over recent seasons. But in the grand scheme of things, thirty-seven grand a week for a player, you know, it, it's that's a lower end wage. You would have said it's not. You know, I mean, I think Newcastle's probably probably double that. You know, probably sixty, seventy grand yeah. for for most of the players that that are established. But yeah, I'd say that's 
yeah, it's football suicide, isn't it? It's it, it, it's it's a daft yeah. thing to do, not not have those kind of clauses in, and you know, you would you would question you would question who's writing the contracts for us. Certainly over, you know, you know over somebody who would you know make sure that they're looking after the club's best interests. It sounds almost like they're looking after the players' best interests there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three. Maybe that's what they've got to do to get people spent. there. Yeah, it was yeah. three hundred million on forty-three players in three yeah, transfer I mean... windows. <laughs> And financial That's fair astounding. plays like, ah, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You talk about... Anyone got the forest the number? Yeah. <laughs> might, might give them a ring tomorrow morning. How's that sound after me morning coffee? This is the top five earning players at Forest currently and their gross per week. So you've got Divic Origi, who is the top paid player per week. This is in pound. He's on 120000 per week. Chris Wood is in second on 80000 He's tied with what? Gibbs White, who's also on 80,000. Felipe is also on 80,000. Callum Hudson Odoi, also on 80,000. And then Sangari and Aurea are both on 75,000 pounds per week. This is reported through Capology, which is obviously reports every team's financial breakdown. So there you go. If some of those players drop down to the championship, you could be coming up against a Divic Origi on 120,000 pounds per week against uh, Emmanuel Latte Lath and the likes, or, you know, I don't, you know, Mason Burstow, for instance. It's, in, it's incredible. And, and Forrest you know, are going to have to face the music very, very soon for their financial fair play breaches, which they were proven alongside Everton. But it could, a lot more to play out this season with financial fair play as well. I feel like I've been talking about a money all, you know, all this, all this day, but I, I apologize. It, it, it was just, you know, I'll just do the headlines as, as they've revealed. That is your morning Northeast show done. We are going to pass it over to Daz. We're going to even give him time for music. Daz, what is on your beautiful, beautiful morning show this morning? Well, we've got a chat degree this morning uh, that's coming up. We've, we're going to have a look and see what's on the newspaper front pages, get you up to date with the showbiz news, see what's on the telly tonight. Ooh. And, of course, we have got the quiz that is sweeping the nation. It is yes, that it's theme. like my geography one. Yeah. After so, Daz, are you going to bring that one that you couldn't, that wasn't yeah, solved well, yeah, we next do, week yeah, instead should, of this stupid geography thing? <laughs> yeah, we'll do that Tuesday. I'm back on, on Tuesday, so we'll do that on Tuesday. <laughs> Great stuff, mate. Yeah. On Tuesday, I'm not here. I'm off. Oh, right? no. So, oh. Are you here Thursday? Yes, I am. I'll keep it till well, Thursday. Next Tuesday, Tuesday, Steve. Keep it till Thursday. Yeah, I'm having that. Well, just, just is everyone else Tuesday. has time off? I'm having time off. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, but fair enough. Up on me <laughs> yeah, so. Have a lovely, yeah, lovely up. Thursday, guys. <laughs> Always a pleasure. <laughs> Nah, thank you, Daz, for sitting in the hot seat. Thank you for tuning in to Northeast Breaking Show. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll be back tomorrow. Cheers, boys. So look at the FA guys. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the